Hi. Hi. There's like a huge delay when you talk. I'm sorry. I don't know what you want from me. Why are you yelling at me? I'm not. It's just weird. I just have to like watch your mouth when you talk and see if it's done moving yet. It's going to be a long night. <laughs> it's never done moving. <laughs> it's going to be a long night. It's never done moving though, ever. Hey girl, hey. I can hear me. I can hear me in your ears. What? <laughs> <laughs> and it begins. I missed you. <laughs> See what happens when we go two weeks without this? Oh. It's literally exactly the same. <laughs> Anywho's, how have you been? I'm good. Riley and I went trick-or-treating tonight. Did you get my picture of Riley okay. that I sent you? Here's Riley as a creepy doll. Oh my god! Isn't that creepy? She's legit creepy though. Oh my god! But then here she is, just as normal Riley. Hold on. I mean, she's still in her costume, but she's got her normal smile back. There she is. There's a Riley. Anyways, this episode—I mean, this case could last for forty episodes easy. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's why I had to like narrow it down. To like when they were talking about like the suspects and everything, I had to like narrow it like way, way down. Yeah. Like on ones that like seem plausible. Each suspect you looked into and then they listed four other suspects and then this yep. person thought it was this person. So then you had to look into that person to see why they thought it was just. Yep. It's a lot. It was a lot. It's a lot. A lot. All right. Go ahead. I'm ready. Hey guys, I'm Kelly. And I'm Ashley. And welcome to A Date With Murder. Jack the Ripper episodes, our two double episodes. Um, last week we talked to you guys about the victims, the five canonical victims. So this week we're talking about <laughs> this week we're talking about the letters that he left, maybe, and then some different suspects. Because as everybody knows, this case is still unsolved. So that's fun. I hate unsolved cases. <laughs> I hate unsolved cases. I do too, but this one is so good, though. I hate it. I need all the answers. I'm going to go back in time. Yeah. Rewind, wind, wind. Go all right. Time to what? To hear. And just like run down the alleyway and be like, you stop, sir. <laughs> you know, I bet we could solve it. Well, yeah, we know a lot more than they did. If we could go back in time. Yeah, but I mean, if we went back in time, I bet we could solve it. I know we could. I mean, even back then, without what I know today. What? You know what I'm saying? I'm done. All right, I really ahead. don't know what you're saying. I'm super confused. <laughs> so tired. If we were back in time, we probably would be able to his victims. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Loudmouth women. <laughs> With a tattoo? <laughs> yep. Scandalous. So the Jack the Ripper. The Jack the Ripper. Okay, so supposedly... Jack the Ripper sent letters to the police and newspapers, and there's a lot of controversy on if the letters were real or not, and a bunch of them they did eventually prove were um, hoaxes by reporters trying to make the story bigger. Um, but there are three main letters that stick out that the police believe were real. The first one, called the Dear Boss Letter, was received at the Central News Agency on September 27th, 1888. It still threw me off. I wanted to say 1,888. <laughs> Um, I was waiting for you to say that, actually. 
<laughs> but it really threw me off. 18 something. I don't know what it means. Okay. Anyways. Too many. All the numbers. Oh, where's know. the comma? Okay. Which is just a few <laughs> days before the murders of Elizabeth Stride and Catherine Eddowes. They copied the letter into the newspaper in hopes of someone being able to identify the handwriting. It's transcribed as the following. Dear boss, I keep on hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. I have laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. The grammar in this just drives me completely bonkers. And I did it like when I was typing this, I was like, she's going to think. Um, no, like- I know because I read it too. Okay. Yeah. It's, the uh, last one is really bad. Yeah, we'll get into that. Okay. So, um, okay. That joke about leather apron gave me real fits. I am down on whores and I shan't quit <laughs> ripping them till I do get buckled. I'm not, I'm not. I know laughing. you're not. <laughs> this is, there's a lot in that sentence. There's a lot. And I don't, I don't I'm I, too immature. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't. What is going on? I'm sorry. Okay, um, go ahead. <laughs> Grand work that last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and want to start again. You will soon hear of me with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick like glue and I can't use it. Red ink is fit enough, I hope. Ha ha. So that's like the 1888 version of writing LOL. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> He's not the best writer. All right. The next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ears off and send to the police officers just for no. jolly, wouldn't you? What? Just for jolly, wouldn't you? <laughs> he needs a <laughs> maybe he got one maybe that would be how we catch jack the ripper <laughs> maybe <laughs> okay just for jolly wouldn't you keep this letter back till i do a bit more work then give it out straight my knife so nice and sharp i want to get to work right away if i get a chance good luck yours truly jack the ripper and that's where the name came from don't mind me giving the trade name P.S. Wasn't good enough to post this before I got all the red ink off my hands. Curse it. No luck yet. Speaking of run-on sentences. They say I'm a doctor now. Ha ha. LOL. I am not Jack the Ripper with our run-on sentences. (laughs) It all becomes clear. (laughs) I don't understand half of what he's saying to me. I mean, not to to me. (laughs) Dear I'm taking this very personal. And I don't. There's, I don't. there's things that tie into it. Okay, so they think that he's somebody from the medical field, right? Maybe because of... That, yeah, the investigators say that, yeah. Right. but Some of them. This is his grammar? And they said the boss was... They thought he was American based on this letter because boss was apparently an Americanism. A what? An American... Like, it was an American thing to say at the time. Boss? Apparently calling somebody what? boss was an Americanism at the time. What do you... What do they, what do British people call their bosses? No, it's just like a casual, all right, boss. Like a nickname, like chap or. I have never once in my life said, all right, boss. I've Maybe you would have if you had been alive in 1888. Not even casually. <laughs> 1,888. When you were alive in 1,888. The second letter was received at the Central News Agency on October 1st. I wrote 1988. Did you see that? <laughs> that is inaccurate. <laughs> Yeah, the year I was born. It's inaccurate information. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> not 1988, 1888. Um, the handwriting seemed to match the Dear Boss letter and also referenced the double murder bef- 
before it happened. It was transcribed um, as pause on that. So actually, I found that some of the some of the details on the double murder war report were reported on the Sunday, September 30th paper. Right. But if it was received on the first, mm -hmm. I mean, this is 1888. You got to think of the mail. Well, how do you know he stuck it right? in the mail? It didn't just hand deliver it. Just drop it. Oh, I mean, I don't know, but oh, okay. I'm just saying you also don't know if he did it. That's true. But I did want to point out that there were some details. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that if this was a hoax, they read okay, about in the paper. Fair. Okay, calm your tops, lady. I can't. They're excited. It was transcribed as, I was not codding, dear Ulf boss, when I gave you the tip. You'll hear about Saucy Jackie's work tomorrow. Double event. This finished straight Wait, hold off. on, hold on. You Hot. cut off a little bit. Not Say that again. Tom. Which part? Just start the whole letter Hello? again. I was not coddling, dear off boss. I was not. It's codding, right? It's what it says, yeah. Did I say coddling? Is that a word? <laughs> so I accidentally changed it to coddling. You yes. autocorrected your I, I autocorrected. <laughs> I autocorrected Jack the Ripper letter. Straight up autocorrected yourself. Oh, my God. I need that ability because the things come out of my mouth. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm so jealous of your skill right now. <laughs> Me too. I can see it like in my phone with that little line under it. All right. Okay. Oh, man, that was good. All right. I was not codding, dear Ulf boss, when I gave you the tip. You'll hear about Saucy Jackie's work tomorrow. Double event this time. Number one squealed a bit. Couldn't finish straight off. Ha, not the time to get ears for police. Thanks for keeping last letter back till I got to work again. I feel like I just had a stroke. It sounds like, like you I did can't. too. <laughs> <laughs> like I did not comprehend anything. I didn't know. Mm -mm. So I think one part of it is saying that he didn't have time to get ears for the police. Cause the one, remember the one he had to stop halfway through sort of. Yeah. 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 But then, like, what's his excuse for not getting the, the second one? That's why I don't think these, these first two are from Jack the Ripper. But I'll get to that in a minute. All right. So then on October 16th, the president of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, George Lusk, received a letter dubbed the From Hell Letter. And I think this one's the most famous. I feel like this is the one that people hear the most about. Um, it also came with part of a kidney suspected to come from Catherine Eddowes, who had her hers removed and taken from the scene. The letter said, From Hell. Mr. Lusk, and then he wrote sore, but I think it's supposed to be sir. Um, I send you half the kidney I took from one woman and preserved it for you. T'other? Oh, the other. other. It's supposed to be the other, but it's spelled t'other. Peace. I fried and ate it. Was very nice. I may send you the bloody knife that took it out if you only wait a while longer. Signed, catch me when you can, Mr. Lusk. Mr. And y'all should really... Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Worcester. <laughs> um, <laughs> y'all should really look at this letter because it's the spelling is all over the place. The, it's random capitalizations. For them to think that this was, guy was a doctor is somewhat disturbing. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. But then that's why... Was that intentional? Is that on purpose? So, okay. You know so, what I mean? Well, one theory could be that they said that after... Three weeks later was when his last victim was... Three weeks later from when they received this letter was when his last victim was found. And they say that they think that his mind broke when after he went her. haywire. Yeah. 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 But then I found that they're pretty sure that at least the first two um, letters, the the um, Dear Boss letter and the Saucy Jack 
letter were not written by, by Jack the Ripper, but maybe by a man named William Sickert. So according to Patricia Cornwell and a forensic paper examiner, which is interesting, oh, okay. named Peter Bauer and other experts, the paper used to write those letters came from the same batch of paper as other letters written by Sickert. And that's how they used to buy paper back then was like in batches. So and he couldn't have been Jack the Ripper because he wasn't in London for many of the murders. So they think that those two were not by Jack the Ripper, but the third one was. Okay, so if he couldn't have been Jack the Ripper, why they would think he, have he was letters? really into the case, like he was obsessed with the Jack the Ripper stuff. Like for oh. I think, in fact, I think Patricia Cornwell wrote a book saying that he was the killer, but they proved that it wasn't him. He was just like obsessed oh. with the case. So I think he was probably just trying to put himself into it or something. If that's true, there huh. you know, once again, it's one of those things. Nothing in here is 100%. <laughs> well, yeah. Which that's is super frustrating. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I have some stuff to say about William Henry Berry. Go ahead. <laughs> so there's a trillion and 42 suspects in this case. <laughs> but I tried really, really hard to like narrow it like way, way down to ones that are somewhat probable that have like i could see it happening or you know a little bit of evidence or whatever so the police generally thought that the murderer had to be someone with medical knowledge or at least a butcher of some sort because of the way that the bodies were chopped up i don't want to say chopped up so of course any of the men that were in the relation any of the relationships with any of the victims were suspected which that's you know common case even now yeah absolutely um but these are the the six ones that I felt seemed to carry the most weight in being Jack the Ripper. So the first one is William Henry Burry. He was convicted and hanged for murdering his wife, Ellen, who she was a former sex worker in 1889. He had strangled her and he had, um, she had deep stab wounds in her abdomen. And I believe the abdominal wounds and the fact that the murder stopped in 88 and he died in 89 is the main reason why he was a suspect. Girl, I got some information on him. So I... Give it to me. Give me the date. Okay, so our process, I feel like it'll make more sense if I explain, like, what we do. So Ashley does all the research for this, and then I'll go and do sort of backup research so I have something new to add. So I got a book on Amazon, um, the Encyclopedia of Jack the Ripper A to Z. So anytime I ran into a name in your research, I went to the book and just sort of looked it up. So he, according to this book, Ellen... The former sex worker also had about 20,000 pounds equivalent to now, 20,000 pounds, which is a a U.S. equivalent to $27,500 worth of shares. I don't know shares and what, it just said shares. Um, And he convinced her to cash out most of them and give to him when they got married. He also used to drink heavily and used to threaten Ellen with a knife so she'd give him more money. In May, this will make you happy, in May 1888, he got VD from a sex worker and gave it to Ellen. (laughs) Oh my God, what a dick. Yeah, he moved. They moved to Dundee in January 1889. And then in February, he apparently told the police he was Jack the Ripper or a Jack the Ripper. It's a little they don't know if he was like if he was feeling like uh, murderous urges to his wife. And they. OK, OK. Yeah. OK. Um, but then apparently when they went and arrested him after he murdered his wife, there was chalk writing in the house about Jack the Ripper on his like the walls to the basement and stuff. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So either he was like some kind of chalk- creepy fan or like the chalk thing at um i forgot which victim it was but they had it written on the wall oh yeah 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 yeah. uh-huh oh i didn't even make that connection yeah that was my first connection ew 
Ew. <laughs> Ew, William. <laughs> Ew, Jack the Ripper. So he's definitely... <laughs> he's definitely he's a, good one. a valid suspect, in my opinion. Yes, yes. 100%. Okay. This other one, I also added a bunch of stuff to this one. Okay, so next in the suspect list is Montague John Druitt. Um, he was put forth in a document called the McNaughton Mem- Memoranda. And I do think it's important to say that when he was listed as a suspect, they listed his age as 41, but he was only 31. So that gives you some insight into the validity of that document. Paper, okay. No, uh, it was in the McNaughton Memoranda, which is like um, one of the investigators left behind this document saying he knew exactly who the killer was. But I destroyed all the evidence, and I'm never going to give away the secrets. No one really knows why. Um, And then there's at least two two versions of that exist, so I don't put a lot of stock into it. Um, But he was put forth in that. He was a law student and a cricket player. In 1885, his father died. Three years later, he lost his mother, who was admitted to an institution called the Brook Asylum. She apparently suffered from depression and paranoid delusions. He ended up killing himself by placing rocks in his pockets and walking into the Thames River. His body was found on December 31st, 1888. Wait, into the whose river? Thames. Is that how you say that? Now I'm doubting myself. I'm almost positive that's how you say it. Why do you ask me questions? I felt so confident until you asked me. <laughs> Is it not Thames? It's definitely not Thames. I'm pretty sure it's Thames. Oh, hold please. Because now I need to know. I'm trying to ask Google how do you pronounce it and I can't freaking type it. It's spelled like Thames, but with a T-H. <laughs> Thames. Thames is pronounced as... Thames to remind with Shames, Shims. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced what? The Thames. Thames. Yeah. I apologize for doubting you. You may continue. My apologies, ma'am. He ended up killing himself by placing rocks in his pockets and walking into the Thames River. His body was found on December 31st, 1888. His date of death was listed as November 30th, 1888. He left a note that said that he felt like he was going to be like his mother and the best thing for him to do was die. He was suspected because of the timing of the suicide and the ending of the murders. Also, he was erroneously listed in some paperwork as a doctor, which added fuel to the fire. People thought that maybe his mind had deteriorated from the loss of both of his parents or he had some kind of mental illness that may have been passed down from his mother there was also a reference in that mcnaughton memoranda that said he may have been sexually insane Uh, but based on the information i thought well based on some of the information i found i think he was just gay which at the time was that's what they mean by sexually insane in some cases yeah i think he was just gay oh my god people are the worst yeah yeah they just wow. suck yeah because i was um, like what does sexually insane even mean because we need to have a conversation about this well you know in some cases it may have meant and actually in a bad like syphilis which we'll get into that later too i did a whole lot of research on that yes but also from actually doing bad things but in some cases it was literally just he's gay oh no he's crazy <laughs> it's like no no Anyways, no, okay. He just likes boys. He just likes boys, which is same. Um, okay. His mother passed away in the asylum in 1890. And just as a note, Montague's grandmother also killed herself. One of his aunts attempted suicide and his elder sister ended up killing herself later in her life. So there was a, wow. yeah, there was some kind of mental illness probably in that family. 
I thought it was like running rampant in that family. Yeah. That's something in the water. So I don't think that he was, I think, in my mind, I don't think he was, well, I think he was just not well and being treated horribly because he was gay. That's my theory yeah. on him. Interesting. Okay. Now this one is my favorite theory. Once again, I got some information for this one too. <laughs> <laughs> this is because okay so we didn't record last week guys i had a ton of tech issues that we're still having issues with so if y'all hear stuff i apologize but because we didn't record last week i didn't have any editing to catch up on so i did a ton of extra research for this case so i got stuff to add to everything (laughs) (laughs) this is what i think this is what i actually believe this one okay um yeah that it's not necessarily jack the ripper it's jill the ripper and so and i don't necessarily know if it's this particular woman uh-huh. um but i definitely do believe it was a woman okay um so some people think it was mary piercy she was a midwife and an abortionist author of the book jack the ripper a new theory says quote jill might have been portrayed by a married woman whoa you said portrayed (laughs) whoa she is not played by a married woman (laughs) she could have we have have jill the ripper portrayed by a married woman (laughs) god you got my nerves (laughs) all right so that says quote jill might have been betrayed by a married woman whom she had tried to help and sent to prison as a result and this was her way of revenging herself for her on her own set also sir author conan doyle believed um that jack thurper may have disguised himself as a woman in order for him to be able to get close to these women but i don't think that's the case because there's so many so many of the witnesses Mm -hmm. say that it was she was seen with a, a man yeah so i do think that it's a woman and the reason i say this so like a midwife would i have the skills right Mm -hmm. you know the only thing that throws me off is that it is so bloody and gross and typically women don't murder that way and i think it was a woman because and i'm I'm trying to say this carefully that they the victims were not sexually assaulted in a normal Mm -hmm. quote-unquote normal yeah 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 and like i said i'm trying to be really i think everybody knows what you mean though sensitive to say that they weren't raped they weren't or there was no evidence of that we should say correct correct yeah and so that's what makes me think that it was a woman dressed as a man i mean i could definitely see it yeah and i mean if it was what was her name mary mary percy or mary piercy i'm not sure how to say it yeah and if she was you know the ones doing abortions and stuff like that like that's not a bad theory that she's out to get revenge on the women that she essentially had tried to help that she felt like backstabbed her or something. Okay. So this rumor of it being Jill the Ripper, who was an abortionist actually started because there was a rumor going around the time that Mary Jane Kelly was pregnant. Later evidence shows that wasn't true, but Mary Piercy was a convicted murderer who was hanged at Newgate prison on December 23rd, 1890. She killed her lover's wife and her lover's baby both named phoebe uh, hold on yeah phoebe and phoebe jr just phoebe and phoebe <laughs> anyways so there she had a shortage on names back then i don't know yeah, I, I, I don't know what to tell you let me finish because this is very exciting stuff okay 
So, um, she was a murderer. She killed her lover's wife and his their child, Phoebe, pushed the babies for several miles and dumped them in different places, places where they were found, either that evening or the next morning. Um, they pretty much immediately suspected her because they knew he was having an affair. And while the police searched her house, she sat at the piano playing pop music. She was not a good Super person. Super chill. She she killed a baby, so she's she's not a good person. I mean, I'm not saying I wanted to be friends with her. I was just saying I think she was the one that did this. I mean, I could once again I could buy this one. <laughs> yeah, like I'm. This is the one I'm all about. Yeah, I could definitely buy this one. I told you I had some information to share. <laughs> yes, all the info. All right, so this was another one that I added a lot to. Because my okay. 17 pages of research wasn't enough. No, it was. I just got so, like I said, I had so much information to, like, once I started doing more research, I was like, but I just has to go in there, too. Okay. Our nest, nest, a nest suspect. Yes. All right, I'm done. Sorry. Okay. Our next suspect is Jacob Levy. In 1886, while working as a butcher, he was admitted to S... You're fine. Until you say sorry in the middle of the sentence, then you ruin the whole thing. I literally sit quietly, so I don't have to edit around your cough. And then I just have to stop talking because you talked in the middle of my sentence. Did the middle of my sentence interrupt the beginning of your sentence? I'm so sorry that happened. But I talk all the time. All the time. Yes, but we literally have sections where I'm allowed to speak. (laughs) (laughs) it's finally my turn (laughs) you're right you're right my bad my bad dang don't come at me with that logical reasoning though dang don't do me like that (sighs) okay anyways all right so next we have jacob levy in 1886 while working as a butcher he was admitted to essex county asylum with mania as his cause of illness his intake notes say he also feels that if he is not restrained he will do some violence to someone he complains about hearing strange noises feels compelled to do acts that his conscience cannot stand and has a conscience of a feeling of exaltation what does that even mean he has a conscience of a feeling of exaltation yeah i said what i said yeah all right or they said said somebody said what they said (laughs) (laughs) it was said all right his wife said he does not sleep at night and wanders around aimlessly for hours and i'm sure she's thinking would he go to bed so i can lock the door (laughs) right oh my god all right so then on july 29th 1891 jacob died from general paralysis of the insane or tertiary syphilis so i did research on this because ashley was really confused about it (laughs) (laughs) do not google it because you get images of people and it's spooky looking um you're gonna google it now aren't you no okay so gpi or general paresis is basically a symptom of late stage untreated syphilis that leads to cerebral atrophy um it used to be thought to be madness brought on by doing bad things like being with sex workers Um, but then people did this thing called science and realized it was connected to syphilis in the late 1880s are you googling it right now Oh my God! Yes, of course I am. <laughs> what happened to their faces? It's syphilis. It's untreated syphilis. Anyway, so what what happens is they get syphilis so bad it starts to atrophy their brains. Like their brains basically stop working, so it can manifest in dif- manifest in different ways, like seizures and paralysis. But then, like I said, they realized it was connected to syphilis in the late 1880s, which is why he said 
general paralysis of the insane, but that he also had syphilis. There is some speculation that he got syphilis from a sex worker and so acted as Jack the Ripper to release rage, but there's not really any evidence to support it that much. But I thought that was really a nice little history lesson on syphilis for you. Um, yeah. Why did you tell me not to Google it? <laughs> if you had left it alone, I would have been like, okay, whatever. But as soon yeah, as if I have say, to live right, with those images, Google you it. have to too. <laughs> as soon as you say, don't Google it, then. Oh, I'm look, how did my Google away. get it up on my screen? I'm waiting for you to look away so I can Google it. <laughs> look away from the FaceTime. So you see me typing. Yes. <laughs> as you move the phone so you can see the screen better. Whoopsies. That happened. Okay. So number five on our list is Charles Cross. Now, he was the one that found Polly Nichols' body, who, and she was the first victim. So <laughs> my notes are hilarious. <laughs> um, and as I say, now with all the ID channel and forensic files I'll watch, the person who finds the body tends to be suspect anyway, which is true. I mean, they at least get probably questioned more in depth than you know other people right sure they're the ones that found the body okay when he was talking to the police after finding polly's body he gave a false name at first his real name is charles lechmere but he told them charles cross but cross was the last name of his stepfather but it's not his last name so ooh, i don't know the point of that and then also all the murders um the time and the places happened in during times and places that he would have been going to work. He would have had a chance or been able to be near the crime scene at that time, if that makes sense. It does. And the only other thing I could really find on him was that his stepfather was a policeman. So maybe that's why he gave his last name as like, well, my dad's a cop, so you might not want to be mean to me or something like that. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point too, though. Yeah, but that's all I could find about him. All right, so before we give details on our last suspect, we need to explain some evidence. So after the murder of Catherine Eddowes, a piece of the apron she was wearing when killed was discovered on the ground several streets away. On the wall above where the piece was found, there was a sentence written in chalk known as the Golston Street Graffita. There are three different versions of what it said, all taken down by three different detectives. One version said the Jews, spelled J-U-W-E-S, are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. Next version is the Jews are not the men to be blamed for nothing. And the third is the Jews, spelled J-U-E-S, W.S. are not the men to be blamed for nothing. The spelling of Jews, the way that I spelled it, versus the real way, could have been part of the author's dialect or showing a lack of education. Police Superintendent Thomas Arnold visited the scene and in his report sent to the home office, he wrote this. A strong feeling existed against the Jews generally, and as the building upon which the writing was found was situated in the midst of a locality inhibited principally by that sect, I was apprehensive that if the writing were left, it would be the means of causing a riot and therefore considered it desirable that it should be removed. So long story short, we'll never know what it actually said. And if it was related to the cr related to the crime, because it ended up being washed away. Okay, here, let me let me clean this off. I'll clean that. This is a mess. I don't know. You guys, this crime scene is a disaster. Y'all need to clean this up. Now it's We're going to get grounded if this is not cleaned up soon. Now it's the cleanest alleyway in all of London. <laughs> <laughs> they got a power roster. <laughs> but I mean, okay, so number one, how can all three different detectives <laughs> write something different? Like, how hard is it to write down literally what you see on a wall? How we'll see, hard is it to write that down? And the tricky, not the, one of the tricky things about this case is that you can't, 
there's been so many stories passed around throughout the years that you don't really know, like, because I read in a couple different places, the same thing that you have in here, that it was three detectives all there on the scene. And then I saw in one place that there were only two detectives and one of them wrote down what the other one relayed to him. And so, you know, there's, it's hard to say who was there and what was actually, you know, it's just sloppy police work because they didn't know how to do it. <laughs> they policed wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Oopsies. <laughs> With all that, let's get to our last suspect. It's Aaron K- Kosminski, and it's also seen as Kaminsky. So with that two S's or without the two S's? What? Who? Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you're my best friend. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, he was a Jewish barber and a hairdresser. In 1891, he was arrested for threatening a woman with a knife. Oh, pause. And instead... The woman he threatened with his, with a knife was actually his sister. Go ahead. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But instead of prison, he was actually sent to an institution, which is actually a good thing. He was known to hear voices in his head, and he was also paranoid about receiving food from other people. I don't know why, but I was super upset when I read that. Like, bro, it's free food, though. Yeah. So what he did instead of getting food from people is he would go around and pick it up from the gutters. Okay. Right. So he would eat food out of the gutter? Yeah, that people would just, like, throw down on the street, and he would eat it, apparently. Yeah, he was not, this dude was not well. Okay. Oh, I guess this is the McNaughton thing. Yes. So, Assistant Chief Constable Sir Melville McNaughton. (sighs) Ooh, I'm out of breath. Hang on. Assistant Chief Constable Sir Melville McNaughton described Kosminski as low class with homicidal tendency. In September of 2014, author of Name and Jack the Ripper, Russell Edwards, claimed to have proven that Kosminski was, in fact, Jack the Ripper. Um, so back in 2007, um, there was supposedly a shawl that had belonged to Catherine Eddowes that was left at the scene, and he bought it at an auction. I mean, like, one, how is that a thing? Do you want me to go ahead and tell you now? Because it'll yeah. negate basically what else you're going to read. Okay, go ahead. Well, oh. let me go ahead and finish okay. the story, thing, the thing then. Okay. Um, he had it tested for DNA by biochemist. I would say Yari Lohelainen. Okay. It came back matching. Oh, okay. You're not even going to try. All right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just stop. You say it, and then I'll just keep going. <laughs> it's kind of fun no to say, though. But anyways, go ahead. Um, it came back matching. Kosminski and Eddowes, but it was under a lot of scrutiny. Uh, it was tested again in 2019 by Liverpool John Moore's University and the University of Leeds with the same results. It showed it matched DNA from the descendant. The, who? Mm-hmm. Where am I? It showed it matched DNA from descendants of Eddowes and Kosminski. So, yeah, that's what I okay. got on that. So here's my. I'm going to start with my stuff I found on Kosminski. Yes. Okay. okay. So apparently, Kosminski was ID'd by the, a witness who was also also a, a Polish Jew, and he didn't want to give evidence against Kosminski because he didn't want to be responsible for Kosminski hanging because that would be against his religion. Um, so Kosminski was out of work for years. In the mid-1890s, he began showing severe signs of mental illness, which would have put him about 24 or 25 in 1891, in February, he was certified insane, which is like a ridiculously broad term. <laughs> I mean, in 
certify it, you get like a, do you get a sticker? You get, no, one of those papers with like the little metal okay. on the bottom. Okay. okay. Um, so he was listed on his intake forms as not a danger to others. He never, except for he threatened his sister with a knife. And then later in his life, he tried to hit a nurse or somebody who worked at the asylum with a chair. But other than that, he was never, he never hurt anybody else. He seemed more inclined to do self-harm than hurting anybody else. He would, okay. he hopped around to various asylums and then he died at one in 1919. The doctor said he was never, he never ID'd him as a homicidal, which is why I don't necessarily believe the McNaughton memoranda thing because in his intake, in his records, he's never listed as homicidal ever. Um, well, and that's the other thing. So if that's the McNaughton thing, but they were talking, he was also saying it was another suspect though, right? He listed three. Oh, 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 oh. I thought he only did one. Yeah, he said three. Oh, hold on. I'll get to that in just a second. Okay. Okay, sorry. That's okay. There's so much information on this case. <laughs> like, there is so much. Okay. So, doctors now have looked at his pre- previous records, his medical records, and they think that he was paranoid schizophrenic, and by the end of his life, he was unresponsive. He basically, he wasn't talking. He wasn't, like, he was just unresponsive. Wow. And, you know... People with schizophrenia are less likely, actually, to be dangerous to others. They're more likely to be dangerous to themselves. Yes. Okay. There is actually, about the Shaw, there is actually no evidence the Shaw belonged to to Eddowes. It's never mentioned in a police report, and it also was a nice Shaw, and she was poor. The the reason well, I they, mean that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Uh, no, I know, but the reason they thought the Shaw belonged to her is because it was like a family history by the people who put the Shaw up for auction. Like, oh, this belonged to her. Pass it down throughout the generations. Yeah, so sell it at auction. Like that 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 still doesn't even make any sense. Well, again, if you say it belonged to a Japanese Ripper victim, you're going to make more money on it than just an old Shaw. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the. DNA, they said that it matched, but it was mitochondrial DNA, which is DNA passed down from the mother's mm-hmm. side. So it's actually way less accurate than like just a full DNA match. What that means is that the DNA is not unique. It's more like it's more like to exclude somebody. If you have suspects, like you can test your DNA and people. say, right. Sure. Say, OK, it can't be this person because this person like, definitely he definitely didn't do it. Yeah, right. So it's a certain percentage of the population. It can be anybody from one percent to 40 percent and apparently that dna was not uncommon it was pretty common subtype of dna so it could have belonged to up to 40 percent of the population like of the whole world don't ask me that question i don't know that (laughs) (laughs) you researched everything else except for what i'm asking okay speaking of more research okay so the mcnaughton memoranda um so as you said he was the assistant chief constable sir Mr. Sir, as you put earlier in the notes. Um, so he left. <laughs> so that was hilarious. Mr. Sir. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. So he left notes saying that he was upset because he came on the force six months after he said Jack killed himself. So he really seemed to believe that Montague John Druitt uh, was Jack the Ripper. But he also said he'd never revealed the secrets and that he destroyed all of his documents. And now no record was left of the secret info that came into his possession. But he had all kinds of errors in his report. Um, He listed his age wrong. He listed that he, I think he listed that he was a doctor. He said that Kosminski died in, I think, 99, 1899. Like he had all kinds of just basic factual errors. So I don't put a lot of stock into what he said at all. And that was 20 years... 
he said he died 20 years before he actually did, right? Yes. Because you said he died in 1919? 1919, yeah. So it really sucks that people wouldn't just leave accurate information so us armchair detectives could solve the case. (laughs) Right? Man. Because honestly speaking, this this one will probably never, ever be solved at this point. Honestly, there's nobody looking into it. And even if they were like, there's yeah, there's nothing we could do at this point because it's been over 100 years. This is a case that will probably never be solved because there's nothing really we can do anymore. There's no new evidence. All the old evidence has been destroyed or mishandled and lost and all the people are dead. Can you like stop shuffling papers while you're still talking? (laughs) No. You don't have to multitask. Makes me feel like I'm doing Can you single task first? No. Give me a happy ending. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So, today's birthdays. So, first, in 1952, we have Shigeru Miyamoto, and he was a game designer for games like Donkey Kong, Super Mario, and Zelda. Oh, nice. I know. And then, this one's for me. We also have Caitlin Glass in 1981, and she's a voiceover actress for um, two of my favorite animes, Orion High School Host Club and Fruits Basket. Okay, um, and then in nineteen, 19- thank you. And then in nineteen ninety five, on November sixteenth, Noah Gray KB was born, and I know him because he played the little boy in um, Heroes, and he was adorable. He was so cute in Heroes. Yeah, it had Milo Ventimiglia, Ventimiglia, blah. However you say his last name. I'm sorry, what? Jess from no Gilmore Girls just said to me. Oh, okay. He did. He was in that show, which is the only reason <laughs> I watched it. But the first season of it was like well, excellent, and then it and then it really wasn't. In 1801, the first edition of the New York Evening Post was released. Oh, wow. That's the um, founder uh, of the New York Post. Yeah. (laughs) Alexander Uh, Hamilton. And it was 18. It was when? 1801. Oh, I was thinking you said 1891. And that's why I was like, but if he's the one that did it, but he wasn't that (laughs) old. He what? I was trying to I was trying to math in my head. Okay. Okay. All right, I'm good. Yeah. Right. And then speaking of the Broadway, um, The Sound of Music opened on Broadway in 1959 on November 16th. That late? The hills are alive. Well, they did, a, uh, I think they did off-Broadway productions before that, but that's when it opened on Broadway. Oh, that's a good story. I do like that story. Mm, I'm not a fan. All right. That's it. That's all I got today. That's it? That's all we got? Yes. Oh, okay. My birthday is on three days. You caught your eye this week. It's, when this episode gets released. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> you had such panic on your eye. What? Wait, what? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you know I don't remember birthdays. You know I don't. My birthday is in about three weeks from now. <laughs> from recording. Oh, God. Can you can you remind me in another week? I will not. The one birthday I will not remind you of Please is my birthday. birthday. <laughs> oh, God. Don't be like that. <laughs> Who caught your eye? So I have two people this week. So the first one is oh. Tariq Davis. The first one is Tariq Davis, who is a member of Freestyle of Supreme. And he did, and this has been a couple of weeks ago now at this point, because we had to take a time off from recording. But he was doing, he did an Instagram takeover for Freestyle of Supreme. And he was so adorably confused by the Instagram live thing. And I was like, you're adorable. I mean, he's hot anyway, but that was absolutely adorable. So he got two oh. double, double points on that for me. And then, <laughs> and then me and Riley watched um, a movie on Disney Plus called Under Wraps. And it's like a new movie that just came out this year. And 
um, in that movie, the mom in that movie just had a new, just got a new boyfriend and he was hot. I was like, you get it, mama. <laughs> get it. Get it. And his name, I looked him up so I could say it. I think his name is Jamie. And I'm going to say Kalika. Kalika? I don't know. I is it's... he Hawaiian? No, he was black. He's hot. Hmm. And that's it. That's all I got. Just two this week. Who caught your eye? I was trying to think. I was in, you know, Fairfax. Yes, in Fairfax a lot last week of course and I was in my little place across the street and we have a little book club now and everything in the bar (laughs) I knew you'd uh, make friends I knew that you would make friends (laughs) like I've made like legitimate friends the the bartender and one of them his name is Andrew and he's like we're friends now the one that caught my eye it's I'm back on Ted Lasso again again yes that's okay I still love Lynn I just can't I'm just so in love with him I mean yeah there's lots of people I still love but he just I don't know I feel and Ryan and I were talking about this today that like the whole world just needs to like take time and watch that show and I really do think that it would it would do something good in the world I really do and I know that sounds so stupid because it's a TV show, but it gives me hope for humanity. And he's such a good person. And I'm just, it gives me all the warm and fuzzies. Oh, 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 speaking of warm and fuzzies, let me tell you what happened to me last Sunday. Okay. So where was I? Um, <laughs> where am I? <laughs> where am I? Um, <laughs> where will I be? <laughs> the present, ver- I mean, where the pa- I uh, future present. Future present? Okay. Past. Future um, present past. <laughs> where was I? Where am I? Where will I be? <laughs> um, what was I doing? Oh, so Ryan and Kieber were here um, and they cleaned out the garage last weekend. While they were doing that, I went and I was running some errands and stuff. And of course, I went by Starbucks to get coffee. And um, of course, you're not a monster. <laughs> I was in the drive through, right? I'm still a human being. Um, and I'm going through the drive through and I go to pick something like I have like three or four drinks that are like pretty much my go-tos you know so I was looking at those and I was going to pick one of you know one of those but I changed my mind because I saw something exciting uh-huh. and I was going to get something different and the barista that was taking my order through the drive-thru she was like oh my god you're so adorable because of how excited I got uh-huh. about it and um come to find out it's her favorite drink too and she was like you've been my best customer all day like you've given me the warm and fuzzies today and i was just like oh (laughs) people like in retail their lives really suck right now like everybody's lives suck you know and just to if i felt really good to be able to be the bright spot in somebody's day yes i really did like that made me really happy and so that's my little psa for today just try and be Be kind bright spot yeah i mean it's so easy to it really is nice so i got happy halloween right yes super stoked are you going trick-or-treating tomorrow too or no no because i have to work tomorrow ew so we went today are you gonna dress up i have a cape i might wear my cape any reason to wear a cape yes i mean yes (laughs) (laughs) screw it it's winter time let's go wearing one that's a jacket There's a literal oh, best. like a velvet one. I have a velvet one. I'll a black that, velvet please. one. It's Ooh. way too long on you. 
Mm. Everything's too long on me. I'm sorry. It's got a hood. Yes. I know. I really love it. That's... I might wear it tomorrow. And nothing else. Ooh, ooh. That's a oh, lie. I get it. <laughs> Ew, I Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> yeah, no. No. JK. No. Mm-mm. Cover it up. It's pasty. Get it away. It's too bright. You can it be looks the like a, light. It looks like <laughs> I could be uh, a crescent roll dough. <laughs> <laughs> Saves, girl. Saves. <laughs> crescent roll dough in a cape. <laughs> Be a pig in a blanket! <laughs> An uncooked pig in a blanket. That sounds weird. Okay. Alright, well. Oh, guys, so that was our episode for November 16th. <laughs> I don't know, 1888. 1888, I guess. 1888. Or also 2021. Because we didn't really have any stuff that happened on November 16th. We just talked about it on November 16th. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. So, no. Wrong date. Who? Rewind, wind, wind. Okay. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Date With Murder. Oh, I finished reading I'll Be Gone in the Dark, the Michelle McNamara book. Yeah. It was really, she's an excellent writer. It was really interesting to read it though, because, you know, when she was writing it, they didn't know who the Golden State Killer was. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was really interesting to read, like, the clues that led to different people knowing who it was the whole time, if that makes sense. Uh huh. Yeah. Like seeing, like seeing how the clues can lead to other people other than who really did it. Like, that was really interesting. Then who actually did it? Yeah. Yeah. Did Patton end up having to finish it? Well, he wrote basically the closing, like this book. Like he didn't know. He did like uh, the afterward. Yes. Oh, what's his name? The cute Billy Jensen and oh, I can't think Paul of the Holes. other. Well, he investigated. They investigated together, him and Michelle, kind of. But no, he didn't help write it. Paul Haynes, I think, is the one that helped finish writing the book. But Paul Holes was her like investigative partner. Oh. But he didn't help write the book. Um, like he provided a ton of information for the book and took her around and showed her everything, but he didn't, he didn't write the book anyways. So they ended up finishing up all of her information and everything, but Patton just wrote like sort of like the afterward. And then there's a thing at the very end that shows like the articles that came out mm-hmm. after he was caught. Anyways, her letter to an old man was so like, it made me gasp. It was so like, Oh my gosh, she is so talented. What do you mean? Like just her words are so powerful. Like, she tells him, like, the, the you can't, you're not strong. Like, I can't, I, I'm not going to be able to repeat the words, but just the way she wrote was so good. Like, she tells him, you're not strong enough to jump over fences anymore. Do you feel the windows closing all around you? And a ski mask won't help you now. And Oh, wow. Walk outside, step into the light. It's like, oh, my, oh my God. <laughs> like, I had to put the foot down and take a step away. I'm like, damn. It was so good. <laughs> I'm getting emotional just thinking about did it. It was really it? good. I did. Yeah, I'll let you read it. Okay, thank you. Oh, of course. Also, I'm in turnout, and I've only got about 200 pages left. Thomas Jefferson was such a dick. <laughs> I mean, I feel like most dudes are, so but I like, why you're surprised. The weird thing is about reading turnout after... Sorry, my coffee's kicked in now, so my brain's going... Bew, bew, bew. <laughs> so the weird thing is about reading turnout after seeing the musical is now I'm reimagining things in my mind. I'm at the part of the story where... 
TJ just resigned. He just gave G-Dubs his resignation. And everybody was like, oh, but where are you going? We're going to miss you. And he was like, no, I'm going to retire to Monticello and I'll never have to be dealt with politics again. And then I could picture A. Ham laughing behind his fist going, LOL, yeah, right. We'll see you in a couple <laughs> years. Because <laughs> that's what he told George Washington. He was like, nah, he'll be back. Don't worry, bro. Don't worry, bro. It's cool. <sighs> yeah, Thomas Jefferson was a dick. I'm going to go have a snack and go to bed. Ooh, a snack. Okay. Oh, okay. Love you. Miss you. Bye. Love you. Miss you. Bye. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Bye. Bye. Praise the Lord. Bye. Bye. Was like a hayride. It was supposed to be spooky, but it wasn't. It was just cold. That's my kind of scary hayride. (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Please do not jump out and scare me. Oh, see, not me. I saw shadows and I was like, please, are these people going to jump out and scare us now? (laughs) And they didn't. They never did. No. They were just trick or treaters. It's like, excuse me, children, could you jump out the hayride and scare us? (laughs) I will give you $10 if you jump out and scare me right now. Please. I meant to text you today and be like, here's all the things before we start recording, but I didn't cool story bro (laughs) (laughs) for halloween we made i made her a mummy wrapped hamburger which was basically just a hamburger Uh that i cut strips of crescent roll and wrapped it up in a crescent roll and then put ketchup on it and she started eating it she ate about half and she was like mama i don't i don't really like it and i said well that's okay and she went ketchup let me down tonight mama She was going to be able to push through it with the ketchup, but she just couldn't quite do it. It just let her down tonight. And ketchup wasn't enough to save the meal. Well, I have a ton of notes. And I'm just the backup researcher. I don't know why you're yelling at me. I'm I'm just yelling in general. Backup researcher? I'm the lead researcher here, ma'am. Yes, that's what backup means, honey. Yes. Yeah. Where did this pin come from? Don't change the subject. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm like this. (laughs) Me too. Um there's such a delay we really have to make sure we're watching to make sure the other one's done talking before we go well no see the problem is is that how that works because i hear you talking on here i see your mouth moving and i hear what you're saying okay well there's a at the at the same time there's a delay on me yeah like it's it your your words are not matching your mouth so if i take a minute to like answer it's because i'm trying to make sure you're done so we're not talking over one another Oh, see, your words are matching your mouth. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> but I went way, way around that. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. That one. Nailed it. Why was his pee blue? I don't remember I now. So I wish I hadn't brought it up because now I don't remember what? why. What? I do not remember. How do you because not remember? the blue pee is what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but why was it blue, though? He, I think You're he was drinking some kind of wildflower tea or something that ended up turning his pea blue or something i don't remember i want rainbow pea i'm jealous i don't know why you keep asking me how i don't to know why either i'm sorry <laughs> i don't know what you're doing i would say it'd be graffito it's kicking in it is yeah right that was a really long drawn out story so it wasn't it sort of went nowhere i was expecting some big finale <laughs> no no finale. it started on a high note and just went down <laughs> I tried to fix it. All I did was hit one button and it didn't. So work. you're just so giving up. That's it. You're just done. <laughs> yes. You're like a man trying to learn sex. <laughs> look, I tried this one thing and didn't it work. It didn't work. I'm done. I'm, done. I'm just, uh, let me get done. And then you can go read a book. <laughs> <laughs> you, sir, have a deal. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know science. I do know science. <laughs> I'm actually pretty good at science, but 
This is not science. What? Mom was super excited today. It was transcribed as. Oh. I need you to say that again because it's going to be impossible to edit around. All I heard was pick it up and eat it. <laughs> that fits. Pick it up and eat it. Oh. The okay. Ashley Day story. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> we made to a lifetime movie. Oh no. <laughs>